today we continue our series, Living Values, and we're looking today at the value of rock-solid living. Rock-solid living. And there are some questions that we can face as we think about what it means to live a rock-solid life. What do you base your life on? What gives you meaning and purpose in life? Where is your security and stability? And when you face difficulties, what stops you from falling apart or being overwhelmed by life? And there are important questions that we need to face as a church as well. What is the foundation of the Northern Community Church of Christ? What is non-negotiable for us as a church as we go into the future? What must we not let go of? And where is our hope based as a church? Hopefully through the message you can be thinking about how you respond to those questions. But over recent weeks, David and Matt have brought uh, into our minds and hearts that we are to be true to the teaching of Jesus and how he wants us to live, how we respond to other people, and most importantly, how we listen to God and have conversations with God. Last week, Matt presented the claim of Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. I remember a first-hand experience of seeing those words really have a claim in a person's life. I was visiting a person in hospital who wanted to talk about facing the end of life. And this person openly said that they weren't afraid to die. Their faith and trust in Jesus was such that they knew that it would carry them through the mystery of death and passing into eternity. And I shared with the person those verses in John 14, don't let your hearts be troubled, don't let them be afraid. You believe in God, believe also in me. And when I got to that verse that Matt spoke about last week, Jesus is, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. The person said, yes. It was an example to me of what a rock-solid foundation in life means. Do you have that foundation? Do you have that foundation that will carry you through the difficulties in life and eventually enable you to face that moment of death and know that you are passing into eternity with the Lord. In a recent study in 2010, church people in Colorado were surveyed and it found that a strong sense of religion in a person's life and regular attendance at religious gatherings can be related to a lower sense of anxiety about death. There are two aspects I want to present to you today about rock-solid living. Firstly, a rock-solid foundation is for the whole of life, not just for that moment of death. And then how do we build our lives on a rock-solid foundation? Everyone builds their life on something, but is it enduring? 
Jesus invites us to know that his words and his way of life are the most stable foundation in the world. When I was in Bangkok, I talked to someone about the Buddhist way of life because Buddhism is followed by 93% of the Thai population. And one of the aspects I was interested in uh, in, the, in, in Buddhism is the concept of paying merit. Paying merit. They believe that they will be protected in life as a result of building up good deeds and thoughts and that it will determine their quality of life in the next life. And they believe that they can affect the quality of life of their family members who might have died. I asked, how much merit do they have to build up? The answer was that there is no limit. They have to keep paying merit. Not necessarily in money or sacrifices, but in good deeds and thought to make sure they have earned enough merit that they never know when it is enough. It's a contrast, isn't it, to Jesus' approach to life. We cannot earn protection or guarantee a trouble-free life. In fact, the storms of life will come to everyone. Obedience to Jesus' words is not so much protection from troubles in life as, as protection in them. Not so much protection from troubles as protection in them. Jesus guaranteed that when difficulties come, if we have a rock-solid foundation, we will not be overwhelmed. And this is what he said. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. You know, it's a story to take notice of because Jesus was a carpenter, a builder, so he knew what he was talking about in relation to the foundations of a house. Now, we have an interesting thing that happens in our house. The other day, I had trouble locking the back door. And it happens for six months of the year. And it's because the soil in Williamstown, I don't know whether it's sandy or whatever it is, somebody else will tell me, an engineer will tell me, or a, a soil surveyor, but there's something about the ground in Williamstown that slightly shifts in the warmer weather. Now, I don't think our house is in danger of falling down, but it is an interesting thing. We have trouble with one of the locks in our door for six months of the year. You can jiggle it and it's all right. But... This is important teaching from Jesus. Now, I want you to look at the similarities between the wise and the foolish person. Look at the similarities. They both hear Jesus' teaching. So he's not talking about people who, who don't know his teaching. They both hear Jesus' teaching. They both build houses and storms come to both of them. 
So where are the differences? And it's not a difference between good and evil people. It's between people who are wise and people who are foolish. In fact, in one translation, it even uses the word stupid. The wise person follows Jesus' teaching. The foolish person doesn't. The wise person builds the house on rock. The foolish person on sand. In the end, the wise person's house doesn't collapse. The foolish person's house does. Jesus clearly sets out his invitation to us to be wise, to be prudent, to be discerning. The person who not only knows the truth but acts upon it and who looks ahead and knows that the house is to be built in such a way that it will last, not to take shortcuts. So how do we build our lives on a rock-solid foundation? There are three aspects to note. The first is about the nature of the rock. The nature of the rock that we build on is important. There are many things in life that promise security and are good, not bad, but they are not necessarily going to be the things that we can depend on to carry us through difficulties and storms and challenges. Things like a good education, very important. A job, friendships, a stable family. These things are not bad. We can work hard to maintain them. And while they are important, in the end, they are not the basis for lasting hope and faith. Particularly when we face the final challenge that sees us through to an eternity with the Lord. It doesn't matter how much money you amass in your life. At the end of life, it doesn't matter. Some people are attracted to other gurus and spiritualities or try to make up their own. And this all reflects a search in everyone for inner wholeness and peace. The Hebrew Bible often used the rock image for the security that the Israelite people had in God if they obeyed him. Psalm 18 verse 2 says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my saviour. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the strength of my salvation and my stronghold. What wonderful words to hold on to and let those words rest in our heart and our spirit. The rock is strong and secure and can withstand any assault. The foundation of sand is weak and unstable and will eventually give way in the storm. I'm sure we all remember uh, childhood images of building sandcastles or as grandparents doing it with, with grandchildren and then loving to crash them down. Sometimes people will build really intricate uh, sand um, sculptures but uh, if the rain comes, they can very easily be destroyed. The nature of Jesus as the rock is that he is the same yesterday, today and forever. Hebrews 13.8. I've sometimes 
heard that verse quoted when people don't want any change in the church. And I'm going to reassure you that Jesus was not using, or those words were about Jesus were not necessarily applying to change in the church. It is about establishing Jesus Christ as the sure foundation for our lives and for the church. The second way of building a rock-solid foundation is obedience to Jesus' teaching. Jesus links listening to him with obedience to what he says and asks and does. He expects his words to be taken seriously, hence the warnings that he gives. Not as scaremongering or motivating obedience out of fear, but from a basis of love and knowing what is wise about life. His words are not incidental, as though we can pick and choose the verses or the words that we like. They are to be worked into our life. In the words that Jesus prayed to God the Father, and he taught us to pray, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will to be done in our life. And the heart of Jesus' message about being a follower and a believer means that our behaviours and our actions, the way in which we live out our daily lives, are the result of an inner life of faith. Jesus holds together the two arms of discipleship or the two legs of discipleship, being a disciple and doing what a disciple does, being and doing. They're meant to be together. It is grace balanced by ethical demand. It is about a life that honours God and living a life according to the spiritual and ethical values and beliefs of the kingdom of God. And then the third way is uh, keeping a close connection to God taking time to develop our relationship with God because it gives us a solid foundation that can withstand the challenges of life. Listening to Jesus, hearing him, is a matter of the heart and our inner attitude. And Leon mentioned this quite a few times in in his wonderful sharing earlier about how he felt God speaking to him about being called to Thornbury Primary School, speaking to him in the daily challenges that he faces as principal. And Jesus will do this for any one of us if we take the time to listen to him. We can obey rules outwardly and do all the things that look as though we are a disciple but have hardened hearts. So Jesus' work in our life is about heart work working in our hearts and on our hearts. Here are some of the ways that we can be closely connected to God. Reading the Bible, hearing God through his word and through other people, talking to him in prayer, keeping silence so we give space to him to speak into our hearts. So we're not always talking to him, we're giving space to him to talk to us listening to the still, small voice 
that can so easily be drowned out in the noise and busyness of life. Spending time with other Christians for encouragement and inspiration. It's why our gatherings for worship and our hospitality times and other times when we meet together are really important because they strengthen our faith. But then getting involved in helping others in our daily life, in our workplaces, our neighbourhoods, our communities and finding God in those people. In the reading that Ros read from John's Gospel, Jesus was talking to his disciples not long before his crucifixion and he promised them and he promised us that we would receive the Holy Spirit. This is for all believers. The Holy Spirit is described as an advocate, a comforter, a counsellor, a consoler, the one who answers our cry for help and security, the one who enables us to live by the values of Jesus' way of life. The Spirit comes to those who obey Jesus' teaching. The Spirit is in us individually and the Spirit is in the church, guiding us and leading us into all truth. Hear Jesus' words. All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. The Holy Spirit will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. It is all summed up in the love that Jesus has for us, the love that we have for God and the love that he enables us to share with others. I want to just share with you something that happened to me just before I went away. So this is about um, how long have I been home? A week. I've forgotten. <laughs> it was about three weeks ago. And, uh, and, and it's to do with the Holy Spirit reminding us of everything Jesus has told us, everything that's in his word. And a couple of days before I left, I was feeling quite overwhelmed. Um, just about the various stages of travel on my own and finding the right platform in the London underground and all of that sort of thing and getting up to the holy island of Lindisfarne. So it was quite a trek to actually, it was a real pilgrimage to get there in the first place. And I was feeling a bit overwhelmed. And I was reading Psalm 139. And I'm sure you've had this experience where you're reading God's word and it catches your breath. Something happens. It's like, you know, God is really speaking to you. And he spoke to me in these words. If I rise with the wings of dawn and if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. So when I was on, I and, and I felt really reassured, when I was on Iona, which truly is the far side of the sea, and uh, quite remote, the, the morning that I got up to look at the sunrise, which was just God in all his glory, I actually, I kind of said aloud, I was by myself, so I said those words aloud, and I said, thank you, God. Your word is true. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you bring God's word alive to us. 
But you need to be soaking in God's word for that to happen. You need to be alert to him. You need to listen to the Holy Spirit. To conclude, something else from my pilgrimage. On Cuthbert's Island, which St Cuthbert used to walk across from the island of Lindisfarne to this island, and he'd, he'd go there to get away from the monks um, when he needed some space. And it's a small island which you can walk to from Lindisfarne, and I did that as long as the tide is out. There is a plaque on a rock wall with words that are so appropriate for today's theme. So I took a photo of it. There it is on rock. Mightier than the thunders of many waters. Mightier than the waves of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. God is always greater than all of our troubles. There are those words a long way away, the other side of the sea, and they come to us today to remind us about the rock-solid nature of Jesus, the rock-solid nature of his teaching and how we can live a rock-solid life, mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, The Lord on high is mighty. God is always greater than all of our troubles. We come to our response time. And on the card that is in the circle, you have the opportunity to write your own prayer about rock-solid living. And then when the final song is sung, David will collect them if you are happy to hand them in. But you're invited to prayerfully respond to what you believe God has been saying to you today. When have you experienced the security and stability of Jesus' teaching? What foundation are you building your life upon? Ask God to help you stay close to him so that when the storms come, you will remain standing. You won't fall apart. And as a church, how can we faithfully follow the teaching of Jesus? Can we take a moment to pray before you respond? Jesus, thank you that you are our rock. There is nothing else in the world that can match the stability and the security of your faithfulness to us and how you invite us to experience that rock-like stability in our lives. Come alongside each one of us this morning. Speak into our lives and help us to listen and obey. In your name we pray. Amen. While the music plays... Take your time to write your prayer of response.